I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Jeremiah chapters 41 through 45. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. Turns out in chapter 41 that Gedaliah was wrong. Let's read about it. Verse 1. Now it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama, of the royal family and of the officers of the king, came with ten men to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, at Mizpah. And there they bred together in Mizpah. Then Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and the ten men who were with him, arose and struck Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, with the sword, and killed him whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael also struck down all the Jews who were with him, that is, with Gedaliah at Mizpah, and the Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. And it happened on the second day after he had killed Gedaliah, when as yet no one knew it, that certain men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, eighty men with their beards shaved and their clothes torn, having cut themselves with offerings and incense in their hand to bring them to the house of the Lord. Now Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went out from Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he went along. And it happened, as he met them, that he said to them, Come to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. So it was, when they came into the midst of the city, that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, killed them, and cast them into the midst of a pit, he and the men who were with him. But ten men were found among them who said to Ishmael, Do not kill us, for we have treasures of wheat, barley, oil, and honey in the field. So he desisted, and did not kill them among their brethren. Now the pit into which Ishmael had cast all the dead bodies of the men whom he had slain, because of Gedaliah, was the same one Asa the king had made for fear of Baasha, king of Israel. Ishmael the son of Nethaniah filled it with the slain. Then Ishmael carried away captive all the rest of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughters, and all the people who remained in Mizpah, whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had committed to Gedaliah the son of Ahikam. And Ishmael the son of Nethaniah carried them away captive and departed to go over to the Ammonites. But when Johanan the son of Kareah and all the captains of the forces that were with him heard of all the evil that Ishmael the son of Nethaniah had done, They took all the men and went to fight with Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and they found him by the great pool that is in Gibeon. So it was when all the people who were with Ishmael saw Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces who were with him, that they were glad. Then all the people whom Ishmael had carried away captive from Mizpah turned around and came back, and went to Johanan, the son of Kareah. But Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, escaped from Johanan with eight men and went to the Ammonites. Then Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all of the captains of the forces that were with him, took from Mizpah all the rest of the people whom he had recovered from Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, after he had murdered Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the mighty men of war, and the women, and the children, and the eunuchs, whom he had brought back from Gibeon. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Kimham, which is near Bethlehem, as they went on their way to Egypt, because of the Chaldeans, for they were afraid of them, because Ishmael the son of Nethaniah had murdered Gedaliah the son of Ahikam, whom the king of Babylon had made governor in the land. 
Now, you recall that after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made a guy named Gedaliah governor of the poor Jews who were not deported at the time of the fall. We read about that in Jeremiah chapter 40. Now, this is Gedaliah the son of Ahikam, not Gedaliah the son of Pasher. The latter, the son of Pasher, he was cruel to Jeremiah. The Gedaliah in this passage, uh, his residence was actually in Mizpah, a few miles northwest of Jerusalem. In Jeremiah chapter 40, a plot was discovered to assassinate Governor Gedaliah, but the new governor ignored it. As it turns out, Ishmael, a descendant of King David, comes to town for an evening of fine dining with the new Babylonian-endorsed governor. The evening takes a turn for the worse, though, when Ishmael does assassinate Gedaliah, along with all the Jews who were with him, and he had some help, of course. After a couple of days passed, he also murders a group of men from towns within the northern kingdom's territory headed to the temple site to worship, sparing only those of the group who promised him treasure. The temple had been ransacked by Nebuchadnezzar's army, but these men were taking their non-blood sacrifices to the temple nonetheless. The fact that these pilgrims had cut themselves, we see in verse 5, that's somewhat curious. That may have been as a result of a mixture of pagan ritual with Jewish worship. Cutting oneself was forbidden by the law of Moses, according to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28, and Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 1. A man named Johanan had warned of the assassination plot back in Jeremiah chapter 40, but he was dismissed by Gedaliah without any action taken. He's the one here in chapter 41 who discovers the slaughter of Gedaliah and the others. He pursues the murdering Ishmael as he heads for refuge in Ammon with hostages from the governor's house in tow. Ishmael manages to escape, but Johanan does rescue his captives. Now Johanan is faced with a decision. Do we stay in Judah or do we flee to Egypt? Nebuchadnezzar is going to be really steamed when he finds out his appointed governor Gedaliah has been assassinated. There is no telling what terror that he may bring on Judah as a result of this action. We see in Jeremiah chapter 42, God to make it to Egypt, verse 1. Now all the captains of the forces, Johanan the son of Kareah, Jezaniah the son of Hoshea, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please let our petition be acceptable to you, and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare to you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us, if we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And it happened after ten days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then he called Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least, even to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid, do not be afraid of him, says the Lord, for I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. 
and I will show you mercy that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. But if you say, We will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, and there we will dwell, then hear now the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If you wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there you shall die. So shall it be with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there. They shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, As my anger and my fury have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt, and you shall be an oath and astonishment, a curse and a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt, know certainly that I have admonished you this day. For you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord your God says, so declare to us, and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, or anything which he has sent you by me. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to go to dwell. Johanan and his party of rescuers finally go to Jeremiah for a word from God. Do we stay in Judah or do we run to Egypt for safety? After all, the governor of Judah has just been assassinated. Jeremiah tells them that he'll seek a word from God on this matter. It took 10 days, but Jeremiah finally reports back that their safety rests in Judah, not in Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar's wrath will be felt in Egypt, but not in Judah. That's the message, but it takes Jeremiah 14 verses to say it, verses 9 through 22. Jeremiah is very meticulous about this warning. After all, we don't want any misunderstandings now, do we? Don't go to Egypt. Stay in Judah. That's the word. Now, it's worth noting that even though Jeremiah had an inside track with God, it still took him 10 days to get a word from God for them. That should serve as a lesson for believers today. God will, for one's life, is not necessarily revealed immediately following one's prayer. We discover in chapter 43 that they still don't listen to Jeremiah. Verse 1. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, all these words, that Azariah, the son of Hoshea, Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Kareah, all the captains of the forces and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah from all nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, 
the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch the son of Neriah. So they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord, and they went as far as Tapanis. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and Tapanis, saying, Take large stones in your hand and hide them in the side of the men of Judah, in the clay and the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance to Pharaoh's house in Tapanis, and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal pavilion over them. When he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death, and to captivity those appointed for captivity, and to the sword those appointed for the sword. I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. And he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd puts on his garment, and he shall go out from there in peace. He shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh, that are in the land of Egypt, and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians he shall burn with fire. Well, let's review the players and the actions from chapters 41 and 42. First, we have King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He had appointed Gedaliah as governor of Judah after Jerusalem's demise. Then we have Ishmael. He's a descendant of King David, but then he assassinated Gedaliah and slew others who accompanied him and kidnapped even others. Johanan pursued Ishmael and was able to rescue those who had been kidnapped, but Ishmael got away. With Nebuchadnezzar's governor having been assassinated, what kind of wrath on the land might be expected in Judah? Johanan wonders if they should flee Judah and go to Egypt for safety. Johanan seeks Jeremiah's counsel on this issue, and Jeremiah says, stay in Judah. Despite Jeremiah's word from God that Johanan and company should not flee to Egypt, they once again reject his word from God. Why did they even ask? Not only did they pack up their friends and families and head for Egypt, they make Jeremiah and his secretary Baruch go with them. Once there, Jeremiah issues another prophecy, complete with stones as an object lesson, emphasizing that moving to Egypt was a big mistake. Babylon is coming to Egypt. As a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar did invade Egypt in 568 and 567 B.C., isn't it interesting that despite Jeremiah's prophetic track record of always being correct, Azariah and Johanan accused Jeremiah of being a false prophet? Now, they're convinced that Jeremiah has ulterior motives in a conspiracy with Baruch, Jeremiah's secretary. Jeremiah's prophecy had not been unsolicited. They asked him for his prophecy. Now, let's get a lesson from this. Many believers today have their minds made up about their decisions before they ever ask God's advice in prayer. They are looking for validation, not really direction, just like Azariah and Johanan in this passage of Scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 44, we find the women taking control. Verse 1, The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt, who dwell at Migdal, at Tapanis, at Noph, and in the country of Pathros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah, and behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them. Because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, they nor you nor your fathers. 
However, I have sent to you all my servants the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness, to burn no incense to other gods. So my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as it is this day. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant, out of Judah, leaving none to remain? In that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt, where you have gone to dwell, that you may cut yourselves off and be a curse and reproach among all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? They have not been humble to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. And I will take the remnant of Judah who have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to dwell there, and they shall all be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. They shall die from the least to the greatest by the sword and by famine. And they shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. For I will punish those who dwell in the land of Egypt as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, so that none of the remnant of Judah who have gone into the land of Egypt to dwell there shall escape or survive, lest they return to the land of Egypt to which they desire to return and dwell." for none shall return except those who escape. Then all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods, with all the women who stood by, a great multitude, and all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth, to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, and pour out drink offerings to her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food, were well off and saw no trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. The women also said, And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings to her, did we make cakes for her to worship her and pour out drink offerings to her without our husband's permission? Then Jeremiah spoke to all the people, the men, the women, and all the people who had given him that answer, saying, The incense that you burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your kings and your princes, and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them, and did not it come into his mind? So the Lord could no longer bear it because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you committed. Therefore your land is a desolation, an astonishment, a curse, and without an inhabitant as it is this day. Because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord or walked in His law, in His statutes, or in His testimonies, therefore this calamity has happened to you as at this day. Moreover, Jeremiah said to all the people and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, who are in the land of Egypt. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You and your wives have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely keep our vows that we have made to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings to her. You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God lives. Behold, I will watch over them for adversity and not for good. And all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by famine until there is an end to them. Yet a small number who escape the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah, and all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand mine or theirs. And this shall be a sign to you, says the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for adversity. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hand of his enemies, and in the hand of those who seek his life, as I gave Zedekiah, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, his enemy who sought his life. Well, this whole chapter is Jeremiah's prophecy explaining that this Egypt move was the wrong move. An exchange between Jeremiah and the refugees from Judah is seen here in this passage. Jeremiah pleads with them to hearken to God's voice on this issue. He points out that Judah fell because they did not heed the word of God's prophets, but persisted in their worship of false gods. We see that in verses 1 through 6. Jeremiah then expresses concern that they have removed the remnant of Jews from Judah, and they've carried them off to Egypt in opposition to God's word through Jeremiah. That's in verse 7. Then in verses 8 through 14, Jeremiah outlines the punishment in store for these rebels. They will be destroyed in Egypt. It's interesting that they dispute Jeremiah's prophecy once again on the basis that, according to their recollection, when they sacrificed to the pagan gods back in Jerusalem, life was great. Jeremiah points out that the facts do not indicate that their recollection is correct, not even close. While we're here, let's review those facts. Judah prospered under their last good king Josiah for 31 years, from 640 B.C. to 609 B.C., and that's recorded in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23. Immediately upon Josiah's death, his evil 23-year-old son Jehoahaz becomes king and leads Judah back to their old pre-Josiah wicked ways. The Egyptian Pharaoh takes him captive and appoints his brother Jehoiakim as the new king of Judah. He's also just a puppet king to the Pharaoh. Then, when the Babylonian army shows up, Jehoiakim becomes his puppet king. In reality, through Jehoiakim and Zedekiah all the way down to the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., life in Judah was miserable. Wow, what a flawed memory these people have. Nevertheless, they intend to continue that pagan sacrifice during their stay in Egypt. Jeremiah then prophesies that Egypt will be given into the hand of the Babylonians, just like Jerusalem, along with Pharaoh Hophra, the king of Egypt. It's a very harsh prophecy. It goes from verses 20 to verse 30. Except for a small remnant, all of these Jewish refugees will die by the sword here in Egypt. As an interesting observation in this chapter, notice that the women seem to be exerting the greater influence here. 
The men speak on their behalf in verses 15 and following. Notice also that the deity they are worshiping is referred to as the Queen of Heaven. Only Jeremiah refers to this goddess in these terms. She's also referred to as Ishtar, Astarte, Ashtoreth, and Ashtareth. She was the goddess of fertility, the female counterpart to Baal. The women seem to be fed up with those masculine gods, and they're opting for a kinder, gentler alternative. And the men, well, you know, the men, they're following the women on this one. It's noteworthy that these women apparently viewed life differently. Reality aside, they obviously viewed as insignificant that they had not known peace in their land since the God-honoring King Josiah had died 23-plus years ago. Apparently, it meant nothing to them that their nation had been kicked around by the Egyptians and Babylonians, friends and relatives had been deported, and the temple ransacked. Jeremiah's book of Lamentations relates to us the horrible conditions in Jerusalem leading up to and after the fall. There are men doing slave labor and their children starving and even being eaten by their parents. Their paradigm for the good life was totally out of touch with reality. That, combined with selective memory loss, that caused them to influence their husbands to make a very bad decision here. You've heard that old saying, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? Well, there you go. And that brings us to chapter 45. It's a short chapter, just five verses. Verse 1. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch the son of Neriah when he had written these words in a book at the introduction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, Woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built I will break down, and what I have planted I will pluck up, that is, this whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. But I will give your life to you as a prize in all places wherever you go. Well, let's briefly take a look at the uh, last five kings of Judah for a little bit of perspective here. There was Josiah from 640 to 609. Then Jehoahaz for three months in 609. Then Jehoiakim from 609 to 598. And then Jehoiakim from 598 to 597. Well, just three months there. And then finally, King Zedekiah from 597 to 586, down to the fall of Jerusalem. So here we're going to, in chapter 45, turn the clock back now to the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim. That's when Jeremiah had Baruch transcribe his prophecy concerning the fall of Jerusalem and take it to the officials of Jerusalem and read it. We see that in Jeremiah chapter 36. So that takes this prophecy back to 605 B.C. Now, Baruch came from a well-connected political family. Working for Jeremiah didn't enhance his political standing at all. You'll recall that as Baruch's scroll was finally read to King Jehoiakim himself, the king had the pages burned in his fireplace as they were being read. So on this occasion, you may wonder what Baruch was thinking through all of this. Well, here's a short recap from Baruch's perspective in verse 3. This prophecy from Jeremiah indicates that there will be no smooth sailing for Baruch's future. However, rather than poor-mouthing about his situation, in verse 3 we see this, 
Baruch is told to recognize how much sorrow Judah's sins must have brought to God. That's in verse 4. He should not seek great things for himself. His life will be spared, though, we see in verse 5. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.